0: Welcome. This is jazz, just the way we like it. My name is Alfonso Severos, and this is my weekly jazz podcast recorded live at Brick Arts in downtown Brooklyn, the People's Republic of Brooklyn. We play those classic jazz songs of the 1950s, the 60s, and the 70s. We discuss these songs, and we break them apart songs that I used to listen to as a young man, and here I am now playing them for your pleasure, and also to introduce a younger generation to that fabulous art form known as jazz. I'm in the studio with my co-host, Lawrence Lawrence Williams, I was going (laughs) to give you my last name, brother. (laughs) Hey, Larry, welcome.
1: What's happening, man? How you doing? I'm good, man. How are you? All right.
0: Good man, another podcast, brother. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, let's jump in it because we may go a little, little, little over the, today because you know this is part three of sax players and we got to cover quite a bit. Uh, so let's get going. We always open the podcast out with some song, some poem, some music, some creative stuff that addresses issues of social justice. Now, here here is an old blues man, Buddy Guy, and he sings this song, Skin Deep. Uh, And it talks about the issue of color. So uh, listen to the words, Buddy Guy, Skin Deep. (laughs) ¶¶
2: I've been around a while, I know wrong from right. Not a long time ago, things ain't always black and white. Just like you can't judge a book by the cover. We all got to be careful how we treat one another. I say, Skin deep. Skin deep underneath. We all look the same. Skin deep, skin deep underneath. A man in Louisiana never called me by my name. He said, boy, do this and boy, do that. But I never once complained. I knew he had a good heart, but he just didn't understand that I needed to be treated just like any other man. In the skin deep. Skin. child down when it was old enough to know I said out there in this big white world you're gonna meet all kind of folks I said son it all comes down to just one simple rule that you treat everybody just the
3: way you want them to treat you
0: That's Buddy Guy and playing for change on a piece called "Skin Deep." How'd you like that, Larry? That was beautiful,
1: man. Very soul-stirring. The uh, female uh, singers were very, uh, uh, man, you know, very touching the way that uh, they were able to hit their notes. And uh, I don't, I think this is the first time I've ever heard Buddy Guy, but he's excellent blues singer. Uh, well-known blue like singer like the words uh yeah i like and it, and it it gave me an image <laughs> it gave me, you know i had an image of 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 someone of people being uh skinned and then right underneath it all you see is muscle muscles and uh whatever you know so we all look the same underneath
0: yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's a, it's a really a song that deals with the issue of color. Yeah, and like our old friend Professor Kenneth Wheeler, we both know him, <laughs> knew yeah. him very well. Yeah, that was a a, a major topic that he always pushed. Yeah. the issue of color. Yeah, he you know, did. Um, I used to discuss this idea of race, ethnicity, uh, and uh, genes in my psychology class with students. Man and tried to explain to him that, that skin color is due to the pigmentation, melanin that's in the skin and how that absorbs and reflects light. And the differences in, in people's skin color has to do with the geographical distribution. Some people were in areas in which there were greater concentration of what is called UVR, ultraviolet rays, and deducing darker skins and other people were in areas where there was less concentration of that ultraviolet ray of the sun producing lighter skin um and we we come to uh classify people by this concept that that is really man made race based on skin color and because the thing about race is that it's not a it's not a biological or scientifically meaningful category. Race exists because differences exist, but it doesn't mean anything. So, and I think Buddy Guy in his song, Skin Deep, really really highlights that. Because if, if you look at genes and genetics, man, every human being on this planet, is, this is crazy. We're all 99.9% genetic, genetically identical. All human differences is, like, is due to 0.01%, which in statistics is statistically insignificant. And in the scientific area, it is insignificant. So biologically and scientifically, the, the issue of race doesn't really exist. It's more a social construct. Actually, it was created uh, really to begin and justify the slavery, the enslavement of blacks over a 400-year period. Uh, but that's a little bit of, of the biology of it. And this, this song touches on that, you know. Um, and just to talk a little bit more about that, if we are 99.9% genetically identical, you know, to understand genes, man, every cell in our body is identical, I you look know, genetically speaking, so each cell has about 46 chromosomes, 23 from the mother, 23 from the father. And on those chromosomes, there's somewhere between 20,000 and 25,000 genes. And it's the variation in those genes that account for any differences. It's not like it's different genes or things of that nature. It's
1: like how they're 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 uh, constructed or how they're no, put together. The, yeah, how they're put together. Think about
0: the the the, the relationship. Like okay, they may
1: be it may be put in uh, uh, a C place uh, or a number three place in one individual, and in another in a, an A chromosome may be put in. No, the chromosomes
0: are always the same. Oh, the
1: chromosomes are always the
0: same. They're always the same. And we have the same, same amount. It's just, in other words, the differences is so minute in terms of individual differences. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing about skin color. Someone can come from, since skin color is due to two things. It's due to rays of the sun, ultraviolet rays right. and the structure of the eye that processes that. In other words, when you look at me and you see a certain skin color, it's because of those two things. If it's not ultraviolet rays of the sun, then it's the natural the uh man made light. but what is the brain has to process this. your brain has to process this as my image enters your eye. Right. Someone can come from another planet and um have a different brain structure, and he will look at me and not see my skin color. Because in essence, in in, in terms of, really scientifically speaking, in terms of physics, color doesn't exist in objects. It exists in the process of of the light ray and the brain processing that. Okay. All right? So you get different species on this atom, on this different species on earth who won't see all the colors that we see. All right? So it's really interesting. Oh yeah. Uh, when uh, you start uh, thinking about it scientifically. But yeah, but <laughs> I,
1: I, I didn't realize that uh that 99% of uh
0: 99.9
1: 99.9 which is like 100% yeah. Um, it is yeah. the same. You know? Yeah, yeah. Sure. And when you think about color, and you say that there's no color, but what we perceive as color. Yeah. <coughs> so Based on, the, on a light, on the way that the light is structured, and, and in the it, way that our brain interprets it. Yeah. It is, like, phenomenal how, how complex our minds or our brain, how mm-hmm. complex our brains are yeah absolutely uh, and the fact that uh over time um how we adjust to our environment, yeah, like you was talking about the ultraviolet waves uh I would think like the people in the southern hemisphere greater concentration greater concentration became darker uh, as a result that's
0: that's what happened that's yeah. what and it ha- all human differences in terms of skin color and what have you here and all that happened over a fifty thousand year period,
1: okay. Okay.
0: They know this in anthropology. They know this in science. Right. You know, so so there's really no difference. And Buddy God's song speaks to that. Uh, wow. I can get carried away on this topic, but no, I, I, I don't want to. Yeah, that was very interesting. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. I really dug that.
0: But let's get down to where we're at on the podcast, folks. You know, we did part one that, that covered the early jazz players, or the pre-bebop era. Then we did part two discuss those who play bebop, and now we're doing part three, which is free jazz and spiritual jazz. And when you talk about free jazz, the man, the father, the one who's recognized as the father, so to speak, of free jazz is no other than Ornette Coleman. He was born in 1930, passed away in 2015, He was an American jazz saxist, a trumpeter, a violinist, and a composer. He was best known as the principal father, founder of the free jazz movement. The term was derived from one of his early albums called Free Jazz, a collective improvisation. Uh, His work, sort of abandoned the harmony-based composition and totality, tonality, of, of the prior jazz players, especially sax players. So he just eliminated all those barriers on that Coleman. Um, and he wanted to take it to another level. So here's a piece by that Coleman called Free. And it was done in 1961. So free jazz came about in the very early 60s. And here's Ornette Coleman. On that Coleman. That was Ornette Coleman on uh Alto sax, Don Cherry, another free jazz musician on trumpet, Charles Hayden on bass, and Billy Higgins on drums on a piece recorded in nineteen sixty one called Free. Ah, uh, I'll let you start this one, Larry. How'd you like uh, uh I love Free oh, Jazz?
1: Oh man, that's beautiful. I uh I thought that was Don Cherry uh playing the trumpet. Uh because he was was one of those guys that was in the free period that uh, played with groups like uh, Ornette Coleman and Rashi Ali had a group at one point. Um, And uh, uh, Don uh, also uh, used to play with uh, Sun Ra. So him being part of the free uh, jazz period um, is... You know, it's monumental to me in terms of the number of groups that he was with, and and, and his, uh, he's also had solo albums as, as well. But on it, on it, when I used to work in uh, a Soho, he had a place in Soho where you could come and hear hear him play. Him and Rashi Ali had like uh, like what was uh, back then like art gallery type of things back then. Uh, now it's a different type of situation. With the, the rent was a little bit cheaper in Soho back in the early '80s, late '70s, and they used to have like mm-hmm. that's where they that, that's where they would live, live, and also that's also where they would have, uh, uh um, you know, like not concerts, but you know, get-togethers. Um, yeah,
0: he, he was like Sun Ra in the sense that that he 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 put together a collective. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, yeah, where with with the, the the theme and the essential element was the expression of the music.
1: Yeah, the and, and, and he had people living with him. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Same uh, thing Sunrise right
1: did. Yeah, 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 that's the same, on the, yeah, yeah. You're, you're right about that.
0: But on that Coleman in the early 60s, you know, uh, there was a group of people that followed on that and was, like, totally into it, and there was a lot of other people who couldn't get him. Uh, but the group of people that got him was not only fans of jazz, but other musicians. And you can see from Ornette Coleman and some of the early free jazz uh, players where Coltrane comes from, where Coltrane got what he did later, the basis of it. Oh, I can see it yeah. I can hear it right. Yeah. I can hear it right. And, and co train recognizes that and I'm gonna speak to that in a little while. But uh that's a very creative piece, man. Yeah. And and the thing about it is the boundary is no boundary. Right. There's no boundary yeah. whatsoever. So it's a really creative expression.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh man, that's on that, man. Uh free jazz, folks next person is a very unique individual because he transcends. He was part of the free jazz movement. Well, modern jazz is that, you know, very overall period that includes free jazz, spiritual jazz, and some other forms of jazz. But he made this transition from one form to another form to another form. And I'm talking about Wayne Shorter. Um... Wayne Shorter, saxophonist, man. and this, this brother was born in 1933. He's not only a saxophonist, he's a, a composer. Um, he really came to prominence in the late 50s, where he was the primary composer of the York Blakely Jazz Messengers. And in the 60s, he joined Miles Davis' group. Later on, out, you know, in between, he made all kinds of recordings on his own and recorded with other people. But later on, he co-founded the Jazz Fusion Movement, which is really highlighted by the Weather Report, the band Weather Report. Uh, And and that's Wayne Shorter. And and a lot of modern jazz groups is a takeoff from Jazz Fusion, that integration of of other forms into the jazz. Uh, Here's a piece by Wayne uh, Shorter called Juju. Uh, and this has uh, McCoy Tino on piano, Reggie Workman on bass, and Elvin Jones on the drums. So sit Took back. Took
1: away, the train's crew. Yeah.
0: <laughs> sit back and enjoy juju. Wayne Shorter on a piece called Juju, recorded in 1964. Wayne Shorter on sax, Reggie Workman on bass, McCoy Tyner on piano, and Elvin Jones on the drums. That was a very interesting piece because it it had that uh, improvisation and freedom of free jazz on the sax, but it also had a the uh, boundaries in terms of the music that was kept in the background as he played on top of uh the uh in the free jazz format. What do you think of that, Larry?
1: Yeah, I I always uh like listening to McCoy because of the <coughs> the strong hands he has in terms of piano. Of course, uh Wayne Shorter uh uh as a sax player, forget about it. He's always always got something very interesting going on in, in his music. Um, the background, like you said, was steady. I mean, and McCoy because he has such strong hands. You, I can always tell when he's on a, on us on a song. It's kind of unique to me the way that he plays. Uh, Wayne, I, I Wayne is is like that was like really freeing. You know the way that 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 he played that, uh, and I I forgot that he was with uh, forever, uh, with Chick Corea and, and um the other other people. I think uh, John uh, McLaughlin.
0: Yeah, that was in the Jazz Fusion Weather, yeah, yeah. weather Report. Yeah, yeah, Weather Report. That was later on in his life. Yeah, yeah. But he also you know did Miles, he did Art Blakely and recorded it on his own.
1: Yeah, yeah. He did did record on his own. So I like I like. The, the pieces that he did on his own as well.
0: Yeah, he recorded over 20 albums. Yeah. Uh, here's a little piece of trivial information. Uh, Wayne Shorter was a lifelong Buddhist. Oh, wow. Uh, interesting thing about these, a lot of the um, play, uh, sax players that were using a free jazz or came from this free jazz movement uh-huh. and moved into the, the spiritual jazz movement. There was always that, that sense of spirituality in the music. Yeah. Uh, let's play one more person who were associated with the free jazz movement, uh, who uh, reminds me so much of uh, Ornette Coleman, in that you know he, he and Rashid Ali, he's, he's in that category, and that's no other than Eric Dolphy. Eric Dolphy was born in 1928 and passed away in 1964 thing of it is, he was only 36 years old when he died. But he was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. He was an alto saxist, bass clarinetist, fluid. And on on occasions, he played the clarinet and piccolo. He was, you know, multi-instrumentalist. And he brought that bass clarinet into jazz. So he extended... Uh, the instruments used in jazz, and and anybody playing the bass clarinet now, you know, uh, can trace it back to Eric Dolphy. And here's a piece that I really like that he does on with the bass clarinet on um, "God Bless the Child." Uh, Eric Dolphy. Just hold on. Here we go, folks. Took that song to the subatomic level, man. <laughs> that was uh, Eric Doffe, man, on God Bless the Child. What a creative masterpiece for uh, absolutely brilliant. And he just broke down those notes in between the notes, man, and levels that uh, most people don't even imagine. What'd you I, think, Mary?
1: Yeah, I thought like um, uh, I never thought that the the bass clarinet had that range in terms of the high notes and the low notes that he was hitting um especially the high notes the low notes I expected but the high notes that he was able to achieve were, were were fantastic in terms of you know his interpretation of God bless the child that has his own uh it was uh, it's just uh, it was just wonderful how he did it how he put it together i i just when i when i think of a sax I'm not, not a sax but a clarinet I think of a big band. That's where it was used in jazz mainly. Uh, very few groups that had players who would play the saxophone. I can't think of anybody off the top of my head who's a clarinet player who's part of a group or, who, or who's a solo artist other than someone who's a who's been part of a big band. I don't know maybe if you can or not, but I was just thinking like, I can't think of anybody except now. I know that Dolphy played the, yeah. the blaze clarinet. I can't think of anybody else who.
0: Well, a few guys played clarinet, but they also played other reed instruments okay. like sax okay. and what have you.
1: But I have never seen that like mm-hmm. part of a group, like leading in a group. But I, you know, like like the big bands. Yeah, yeah, you can hear the sax. I mean, the uh, the clarinet a lot, but not in, not in the group. What I mean by group, I mean a quartet, a quintet, or no, a sextet. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, well, he, he, was, he was instrumental in uh, bringing that instrument to jazz. Oh, that's good. That's the, some of the artists, some of the key artists in the onset of the free jazz movement. And out of the free jazz movement, we saw uh, uh, One Direction, which gave birth to the spiritual jazz. And spiritual jazz is, is is within the style of free jazz, but it incorporates an attempt with the music to achieve some spirituality, some to express some spirituality, whatever that may be. And the man with that is Albert Adler. Uh, he was born in 1936, died in 1970, he was a sax player, a singer, a composer. He actually started out in, in uh, rhythm and blues and bebop, but slowly advanced into jazz and into free jazz and eventually spiritual jazz. His, one of his main albums that came out in 1964 was called Spiritual Unity. And man, that really highlighted the improvisation that John Coltrane was doing, that that Coleman was doing, and he put it in a spiritual sense. Uh, in many ways, for some people, except for the real diehard jazz fans, he's a, almost a forgotten figure in jazz because he's not heard much on radio stations, but he was brilliant. How brilliant was he? Well, John Coltrane in 1967 died of liver cancer. And on one of his requests was that Albert Adler and Ornette Coleman, the two, those two, play at his funeral. So, you know, this is a cat that recorded with foul is Eric Dolphy, you name it. But those are the musicians that he wanted to play at his funeral out of that free jazz, and spiritual jazz movement. Uh, and that says a lot. That says a heck of a lot. Uh, he was an admirer of Coltrane and a marrier of Pharaoh. You know, he had the saying after John Coltrane died, that he came in peace and he left in peace. Um, and he, he had a very strong spiritual interpretation of his music. Uh, and here's a, spe- uh, a piece from his Spiritual Unity album, Vibrations. Uh, Albert Adler, sit back and enjoy this.
3: Thank uh. Okay.
0: That's Albert Adler on a piece called Vibrations from the Spiritual Unity album recorded in 1964. He expressed that his music was trying to reach a new level of awareness of peace and of spirituality. Uh, So he was one of the early influences of bringing about the spiritual jazz. Uh, But it it also included the works of, like, on that Coleman and the free jazz style and it's it like you can hear uh, John Coltrane in his music and you can hear Pharaoh Saunders he influenced them and they influenced him it was this you know symb- symbiotic relationship yeah, that was going on yeah uh, and and they, 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 they took this thing of spiritual jazz to a new level uh, how'd you like that piece Larry? I was really,
1: that's, that's really out there. I really uh, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, it's, I, it's the freedom that, that, that's in there. Yeah. I, 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 while I was listening to it, I, I was getting lost in there. I was
0: getting yeah. lost, lost in the there. There was a time in my life that I, I couldn't listen to that. I wouldn't appreciate it. Yeah. But I, I think I'm, I'm at a, a much more different stage in my life. i old as hell, but I can deeply appreciate yeah, yeah, it now. It,
1: I I remember like, you know, if I wanted to listen to something like that, I had to have something in me other than what I
0: what I what we, I we won't go there that way. That's, that's self incriminating on both of our parts. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll just leave that out of this conversation. Uh, okay. Right, okay. <laughs> okay, folks. Um two other artists that we have to play, man, you know, and I know this podcast is going a little longer. But we can't talk about spiritual jazz and free free jazz without talking about Farrell Saunders. And, uh, he carried on the legacy of John Coltrane and Albert Adler after both passed at a very young age. And here's a piece by. Uh, uh, Farrell. And Farrell, you know, he got with uh, Alice Coltrane, John Coltrane's life, and extended that spirituality to this thing of universal consciousness, much higher level. And here's a piece that's within that idea of universal consciousness connected to Eastern philosophy is astral travel. Uh, so listen to Farrell Sanders' astral travel, and you can hear He took it in a whole nother direction. That's Astro tra- Travel, uh, Farrell Saunders, recorded in 1971. And you can hear uh, the influence of other cultural styles of music in this. Uh, and that was Farrell Saunders, uh, Lonnie Liston-Smith, uh, Michael White, Cecil McBee, and Clifford Javis. Um, we got time for one more and we got to play John Coltrane, without Peace. a doubt. Yeah, that's right. And without a doubt. And I'm going to play a part of this piece because it's a very long uh, piece, and it's called Ascension. And it was recorded in 1965. And it really highlights John Coltrane in that free jazz, spiritual jazz format. All right? And uh, this has a lineup, folks. It has... Uh, Dewey Johnson and Freddie Hubbard on trumpet. It has uh, Archie Shepp, John Coltrane, and Pharrell Saunders on sax. McCoy Tyner, Jimmy Garrison, Elvin Jones. This is a lineup. and It's called Ascension. Uh, it's one of John Coltrane's albums that's not played that much, but I really dig it. So uh, let's listen to this, Larry. We're only going to play part of it. Part of the Ascension album with John Coltrane, recorded in 1965. That was the have the opening uh, solo by John Coltrane. There's also solos on that album by Dewey Johnson, Freddie Albert, McCoy Tyner, Archie Shep, Al Sanders. Uh, it is a it is one of his very creative free jazz albums uh, that he did how you like I know you like that job. Yeah,
1: I loved it. Yeah. Um I love that solo that he just did. That was really uh Yeah. That was really tremendous. I can you know, you could hear him. You can hear the strain.
0: Yeah. You know. Yeah. A very
1: distinct uh horn.
0: And and, um, and the 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 title of the album of the song okay. Ascension, you know, it donates a spirituality to it. Oh yeah. Ascending definitely. to some higher higher form. plane, yeah. 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 Well, folks.
1: He had some Buddhist background in him, too, right? Uh, He, he uh, I, mean, I yeah. mean, his wife was there. Yeah, so his, his wife was something. much more into
0: it than him. But, you know, what John Coltrane did adopt a lot of that Eastern philosophy. Yeah, but yeah. you know who he got it from? Bill Evans. Oh, yeah, okay. When he played with Miles Davis, Bill Evans and yeah, yeah, introduced yeah. him oh, to okay. it. Okay, that makes uh, sense. Yeah. Okay, man. Uh, we have played quite a bit of jazz sax players. We did not play them all. We didn't touch smooth jazz, fusion jazz, where they have some fabulous players. Uh, maybe we'll do that in another show. But we wanted to cover some progression of sax players from the early 1940s all the way up to current, not current, but the 1970s and 80s. It's been a trip, Larry.
1: Yeah, yeah. That, this was, this was a great show today. I've really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed being taken to another place. Every time I got it, yeah. close my eyes, I was someplace else.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, some very creative uh, musicians on that free jazz and spiritual jazz playing. But uh, well, it's that time, folks, and so. Uh, Larry, it was great having you here. Great being here, Al. Good. And to the next time. And everyone out there, I hope you enjoyed listening to it. Uh, We're going to go out on a piece by John Coltrane called Welcome. It's about completion of a task, a satisfaction, a serenity when jobs are well done. John Coltrane. And as always, I'll see you or listen to you, or you will listen to us next week. Peace and love.